0: Finally here. finally here The bends. A time we missed you still got, still, got, still, got, still, got, still got money in his pocket We spent a lot to build a home Took a few years, now it's here Let's get in the zone 40k, up in the bends, It could be double soon Let's show them how we rep the A rap into this tune We in the bends. We in the bends. We in the bends. Got our sections full of fans, and the cheering never seems to end A brand new dome, welcome home to the Benz Friends We in the Benz, a brand new home Packing in, bring the heat, ain't talking plaques of code Shout out to Arthur Blank, for spending dough Five dollar beer on me, when I see you bro Oops, I'm an uncle, where my man is at? Ripping ATL, Westside on the map what happened to July for the start date? Got delayed, doesn't matter, it was worth the wait. Skip traffic and just take that motor train down. Kinda different from that stadium just north of town. We roll down, hit the coach first. Grab a beer, then we cheer till our throats hurt. Rising up, and you like, in red, black, gold. Yeah, we always shine. Got the birds, got the stripes. What else do we need? Now we all up in the Benz, got show to show the city. Still see. got money in his pocket, but spent a lot to build a home. a home. Took a few years, now it's here, let's get in the zone. 40K, up in the Benz, it could be double soon. Double let's phone. show him how we rep the A, rep into this tune. Whoa. We in the Benz. We in the Benz. We in the Benz. Yeah. Got our yeah. sections full of fans, and the cheering never seems to never end. Seems to A end. brand new dome, welcome home to the Benz Friends. Watch friend. out when we run in this Eastern Conference, cancerous. Zone one, Atlanta, this. Haters can't be slanderous. Stepping on the field, brutal dudes behind the goal. Disrespect not tolerated. Classics clapping front row. Orlando think they vibe, but Atlanta vibing harder though. Five through the south, Appalachia to Savannah, yo. Feeling get loud. <laughs> Tito's Capo's don't Show, son of Chica with us and amigos, we can't lose, so let loose and see, watch the team, dispose of foes gratuitously, and do it with some style and pace, southern hospitality, we swaggin' left, swaggin' right, Surfing on the serve. turf tonight, alma room, Carmona, yeah, Boca, Darren, scouting right, Tata at the helm for sure, everybody want our boys, uncle got the paper, better pay up if you want our boys, Bobby Dodd was poppin', time to take it on a new trend, footy Legion faction, research ends. we the Ben's friends. friends in his pocket but spent a lot to build a home. a home took a few years now it's here let's get in the zone 40k up in the bins it could be double soon double let's phones. show them how we rep the a rep into this tune we in the bends we in the bends we in the bends yeah got our yeah. sections full of fans and the cheering never seems to the end a to brand end. new dome welcome home to the bends friends the
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Soccer Roundtable. This is the September 13th episode, and you're probably wondering what is that different intro music, and that is Conair, his new track about Mercedes-Benz Stadium. He is the Atlanta United rap recapper. I hope you enjoyed that. We we'll playing his um latest track about the FC Dallas match later in the show. I'll probably end the show actually. But follow him on Twitter at C-O-N-A-R-R-O. You know, I mean, that was just really creative and it was a lot of fun to listen to and it's good for everyone, you know. Some tracks based on your favorite soccer team and I would like to see this happen in other cities also. Um, So if you like this and you think we should do this more often, we should have more of this content on the show, be sure to let us know. You can tweet us at S-O-C-C Roundtable. And make sure you're following us or following all of our content, um, our website is SoccerRoundtable.net, and we had, you know, we had an interesting article go up the other day. We're going to get into MLS and the Atlanta United match in a little bit, but we had an interesting article the other day where we talked about NWSL expansion teams and our top five cities. So first, let's go our honorable mentions for the NWSL expansion cities. And we didn't really write anything in the article, but we'll kind of dive into them momentarily on the podcast. They were St. Louis, Detroit, and Nashville. And St. Louis has a USL franchise, St. Louis FC, and they have a large, large supporters group, and they get a lot of support, and that's the city that just lost their NFL team, and they have a successful baseball team. but. That's really about it, and soccer is something they've really clinged on to, and I think a woman's team in a city that does not have a NBA team in a city that does not have an NFL team, if they have a women's soccer professional team, this is a, I think NWSL, they need to go for cities that do not have major other sports. That That is really the key. I mean, any city that has major sports except for a few except for some exceptions because there's always exceptions to everything NWS needs these to create its own markets markets that are unique from that really don't have other sports teams um, and that needs to be their motto their key the thing they strive for and that make separates them so we have st. Louis Detroit and Nashville so number one was Atlanta they had Atlanta United a the and uh, and. MLS expansion team last year, and very successfully sold out 11 straight matches, and while Portland Timbers are selling out 100 straight matches, Atlanta seats over 16,000 more. And Saturday, actually, they will have over 70,000 people in Mercedes-Benz Stadium for, that, for the Atlanta City match. That is an MLS record, and they're breaking that. They're breaking the record by over 30,000 people, which is absolutely bonkers. And they're going to also open the um, Benz up to 70,000 one more time this year, and that's for the Toronto Toronto FC match at the very last match of the season. That'll be interesting. But our second city was San Francisco, and we're not going to dive like Atlanta. We just went over them. Quickly, that we didn't go into detail like we did in the article, but San Francisco, you're thinking probably, why not Los Angeles? And here's the thing, Los Angeles has a professional, they have two professional football teams, two professional basketball teams, two professional baseball teams. They have a hockey team, they have basically anything, everything, and soccer, LA, you've seen with LA Galaxy, they've really been pushed to the back burner. You're adding another soccer team. A women's team really needs its own specific market where people can focus on the NWSL. I just do not see that be successful. There's too many other sporting events drawing your attention away from that, and it does not sound like a good idea. The second thing all right, that San Francisco is successful is one of the top technological cities in the world, and the fact that NWSL likes to focus on technology with the Go90 app and other elements are trying to, you know, separate the NWSL from everything else, that would really help in San Francisco's bid. Second, Louisville. Louisville does not have any professional teams. The only professional team that has another soccer team, and they have their own 16,000-seat stadium. Uh, or, they're building that, but... They're building a 16,000-seat stadium, but Louisville... Has been very, very successful in the USL. And a women's team, another professional team. This would be a top-tier professional team, unlike the USL. You know, that could get a lot of attention, and I think Louisville would support that, and it would grow and prosper and be like a Portland. And I think it has potential to be very, very prosperous there. The next, Hartford, Connecticut. Hartford has absolutely nothing. They only have college, which is UConn. And... They support women's sports very well. The UConn women's basketball team went on a hundred-game win streak, and that always helps. But they average sixteen thousand people a game, which is absolutely crazy. Since the University of Georgia, they got five hundred a game last year for a women's game, and you know, Hartford has proven that they can support women's teams. And this is a th- and Hartford also has one of the largest American outlaw groups. And they hosted the US Miss National Team match recently. So I think Hartford really has the is the dark horse here for a NWSL expansion team. And last is Cincinnati. All you need to know is FC Cincinnati. End of story. That's why they're a option for expansion. And let's talk about the MLS. So Atlanta United got a three nil wins, opened up Mercedes Benz Stadium. They came out of the gates absolutely on fire, and just Martinez drew a penalty that was overturned by VAR in the very, very first seconds of the game, and the crowd was absolutely pumped, a very loud atmosphere. The funny thing, though, about the match was all the smoke that Atlanta United was setting off throughout the game, it created... Visual and impaired everyone's visual abilities, especially in the supporter section So they're gonna ban smoke until they can get the roof open which could be Saturday at the earliest Some other MLS action Uh, So Toronto absolutely on fire they got a four nil win over um, Montreal which is surprising Atlanta plays Montreal coming up, but MLS has really separated himself. The Eastern Conference was very tight at one time. Now it's not so. But let's talk about some other action. Um, news came out and that the NASL, that FC Edmonton, is going to try to play in, in the Canadian Premier League, which is very, very interesting because that would mean that NASL is down to seven teams and the uh, United States Soccer Association says that Division Two, Division Two teams have to have at least 12 teams. I mean, the least to up 12 teams, and so NASL is way under that. You and their teams do not even compare to the USL in attendance or competition. So, except Miami United, I mean Miami FC. So besides them, but we could see NASL collapse. In the very near future, some of our teams go to d 3 some go to the USL. I think the NASL will collapse very, very, very soon, so watch for that to happen. But now let's play our interview with the GM of Christos FC. I hope you enjoy it, and we'll see you on the other side.
2: All right, and we're welcomed on by Jody Hayeslip the uh GM for Christos F C, the amateur soccer club in Maryland that made the magical run in the US Open Cup. So uh how are things up there in the uh New England area? Uh
3: just starting to uh get everything organized for this season as well as the two thousand eighteen Lamar Hunt Cup uh qualifying rounds start September twenty fourth and all the registration and funds and all those things had to be turned in last week, so for some teams that haven't even thought about the Lamar hunt, we've already been registered and already have our first game set for this year it's so it's been busy it's yeah, re- it's been a uh, it's been non stop since the Lamar Hunt Cup run with other tournaments that we've entered in and things like that so it's been busy it's been fun
2: and before we dive into the uh qualifying. Uh, rounds for the next year's Cup. Let's talk about your last year's run, and I know some people are not very familiar with it. But can you break down uh, the run you had going into last year where you ran all the way up to D.C. United? You actually had a uh, one-goal lead on an MLS club for part of the match. Can you talk about that magical run and um, give some of our listeners that are not very familiar with that a little recap of that?
3: All right. Well, certainly in 2017, we had the to- same situation with a couple rounds of qualifications with certainly the Marhunt changed its uh, parameters around a little bit where they allowed uh, teams just to enter based off finances and making sure they're registered in their uh, certain registration or registered with their proper league where in previous years through the many, many years that the Marhunt Cup has been around, it was only invited to the team that won the Amateur Cup the previous season, so we went through two two rounds of games and qualifications just to get to the official, quote-unquote, official Lamar Hunt Cup game um, in our little area or our district. We beat a team from D.C., uh, and then we beat a team from Westchester, Pennsylvania, at the end of the year last year. So it's about September, October for those dates. Then certainly our first first run... Our first game this year, uh, to the quote unquote true rounds was against the NPSL team out of Fredericksburg, uh, Virginia, which we beat them three to nothing, um which was a good game. Certainly our first experience in the true Lamar Hunt Cup uh game, so it was pretty fun to get one win under under our belt and um thought that was exciting and, and fabulous and once we won that game, certainly our next game was against Richmond Kickers out of the USL. Uh, so we we definitely were happy that we won against Fredericksburg and knew we had a big game in that second round. We we had high hopes. We certainly didn't think we were there just to play the game. We knew we we had a great opportunity. Our guys, they're not amateur, quote unquote, true amateur type players because some have played professionally just went ahead and got their full-time jobs and stayed local to the area and then in Richmond we we were able to beat uh the USL side one to nothing uh which was that was all that created a lot of energy and created a lot of uh hysteria up in this area because, again, that was a professional team. Certainly it's not the MSL side, but USL, they do pay their players, and those guys make a living out of playing soccer. So by beating them, um, it put us on the map a little bit. We certainly started getting more phone calls and notoriety and things like this that that got in our ear and created more more work for some of us in, in that aspect of things. And the third-round cup or third-round game was against uh chicago fc which was the old um program of the chicago fire which disbanded i think a year or so before that but they kept they kept their side in the pdl side of it and we beat them uh as well up in chicago and then dc united and what else can you say than just a entire month of enjoyment and um a lot of fun a lot of work that that went into getting us at that point but certainly uh the fans showed up and and showed exactly what we were we kind of were made of and the, the Baltimore area was with soccer and it just became pandemonium kind of with that first initial goal um and certainly the the run ended at the end of the game but yeah the the first half ended one nothing and they didn't get their second goal until I think the 81st or so minute so we definitely uh had an exciting time and phenomenal cup run that we uh we've gotten a lot of notoriety in ESPN uh FC did a little story on us, US Soccer did a story on us. Australia did a couple things, so yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun and it is truly put us on the map for a club that's been around for 20 years and have been able to win a few tournaments here and there, and we thought we were pretty good at that time. But uh, knowing what we know now, the first 19 and a half years of what Christos did has nothing on what we just accomplished in the past six months or so.
2: Yep, but that was definitely that was a wonderful moment when you saw all those neon green jerseys rushing down to the uh, – uh, to greet the player after the game, after he scored that great goal on the free kick. But can you talk about, you know, how Chris s s d is funded by a liquor store and, you know, local downtown Maryland, sure. and also how, you know, the players really don't practice throughout the year. They practice once a year, and these guys have full-time jobs, and it's kind of hard for traveling around the country to play soccer matches against other teams, what the struggles for both of those areas are.
3: Okay. Yeah, the um that goal that you certainly uh were talking about I was in that pile up, that's where a good group of us were in the uh the aspect of that goal and running down and piling up was probably one of the biggest moments of of Christos well it's the biggest moment of Christos at that that point in time. But in nineteen ninety seven, uh my older brother James, uh we had we've had a few teams here and there that we've uh created in smaller type leagues. And then the league that we're sanctioned with now, which is USASA-affiliated, which is how we're able to get into the Lamar Hunt, um, just was a little bit more expensive, had had a lot more involvement of aspects of money and registrations and things like that. And uh, we knew the guys at the Christos uh, Discount Liquor Store just from family and friends and just really good guys. And we knew we needed some some money from sponsorships. And certainly, you don't think about a liquor store. You 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 want to walk into a sports uh, type scenario where you walk into a place to sell soccer gear or football gear or athletic gear. But yeah, it's pretty odd for us to walk into a liquor store. But we knew them for many many years, and we thought that they would say yes to to help sponsor us. And uh, we just walked in there that that one probably September day in 19, August day in 1997 and said, hey would you guys help sponsor a soccer team? We'll try to come in as much as we can to to give the money back by buying liquor and buying beer and things of that nature. Um, but, yeah, the guys said, sure, what do you guys need? And um, that first check was written to Maryland Major Soccer League, and we said, hey, we'll, we'll name our team after the liquor store in case they say, what's Christos? And we can certainly say it's a liquor store, so, yeah, 1997 just – friends of friends and walked into the liquor store asked them for money to to help sponsor soccer team and it was very easy for them to say yes because they, they knew it was going to a good cause or at least helping out 20 or 25 guys to be able to play soccer for the next few years and certainly we didn't expect it to be where it is now but those guys are super proud of us and they've gotten a lot of notoriety as well with with what's been happening so they're extremely happy they wrote that first check uh, back in
2: 97. That's, that's awesome. And now can you, you know, elaborate on the part where, you know, the players, they really practice once or twice oh, yeah. the entire sure. team. I mean, I know they practice, you know, off the side. And, I mean, with yeah. a group of players, but really the entire team does not have that team practice as the professional even NPSL or PDO clubs have.
3: Yeah, again, when you're talking about amateur side like ourselves, I know there's a few different uh, articles and things written about the Sunday beer team, the sun, Sunday liquor score team. In 97, I think that was more more or less what we, uh, we created back then where we certainly played on Sundays. We had our full-time jobs back 20 years ago. Certainly every single player is completely different now. But, yeah, these guys now um, – mostly are just graduated college they've they've tried the usl they tried certainly the pdl side and nasl side they tried all those things and some guys got signed but never picked up and went to the, the lower tier leagues and then some guys did have a year or two where they played in iceland um one guy played for charlotte independence um and things like that but it just it wasn't their calling they were able to realize pretty quickly Certainly they probably didn't want to realize it pretty quickly, but they knew um, how hard it probably was to get to MLS and how long it might take. And in U.S. soccer, I think we all know that if you're not playing in MLS, it's really hard to make a living out of it um, unless you're one of the best. And certainly these guys just realized their home in Baltimore, that there's things here that they could do with jobs and um, creating other coaching aspects. or creating uh better things for themselves by coaching or getting the full time job that'll make their life a little bit easier at home versus away two hundred miles or or how however uh far these guys have traveled to play. They they just wanted to come back home and Christos again being around for twenty years, there's not many clubs that can say they play amateur soccer and that have that have withstood 20 years of amateur soccer at the highest level, and these guys, when they come back home, they have a place to play, and that's just from the hard work and dedication that we've all had uh, contributing over the last 20 years. But, yeah, these guys don't practice together, per se. If if, Again, I've I've said it a few times, if these guys practice once or twice a year as a team, that's a lot. Um, Because, again, with full-time jobs, and when we talk about full time jobs everyone says 9 to 5 but realistically i have a full time job other than gm of of christos and i'm not sure the last time i really worked 9 to 5 it's it's almost usually 10 hour days you have family you have friends you have wives uh girlfriends things like that and it takes up a lot of time to where we don't want to ask these guys to practice from 6:30 to 8:30 cuz there's other things that we know they want to do and sometimes it's better for us to do it that way versus making them come play because then that's when they'll, I wouldn't say go leave to go play for another team that doesn't practice because now when you show up on Sundays, if you're playing one of the players that didn't show up for practice, now you feel resentment and I wouldn't say hate, but sometimes that creates more turmoil when, Hey, this guy didn't show up for practice all week long and now he's playing on Sunday. And again, by us, knowing these things and doing this for 20 years and a lot of us have children now and we play at the highest level as well so we've we've seen it all we've we've flipped the page we've learned from our youth and we've learned from creating this team 20 years ago and you see things evolve to where sometimes the practices could create more headache than not practicing so we allow the guys to go play indoor soccer with their friends on thursday nights and occasionally if if they want to go play pick up on a Tuesday or Wednesday night, we allow them to have the freedom of that because, again, they know if they want to compete and play for Christos, they have to be at the highest level, they have to be in shape, and they have to continue to play because the only way with soccer that you're able to stay in shape and physically fit, you have to continue to play. Um, so if you allow them to play with their friends and buddies whenever they like, you're not putting the stress on them that they have to show up at a 6 o'clock game or practice thirty miles from their home, they're able to stay more local to where their friends are and those leagues are and they have more enjoyment out of that than than coming out to practice that could create another three hour day for them. Um, that makes things difficult. So I think it's a little bit easier on the guys to have freedom of playing and practicing or goofing off with their friends, playing foot volley or indoor and things of that nature. It's just it's a little bit easier on on them and again, they know they have to stay in shape and continue to play to be able to play on Sundays and certainly make the run that these guys had in the Lamar Hunt, that they, they couldn't have done that if it was a true Sunday beer soccer league. So, yeah, these guys uh, are pretty special for sure.
2: You know, that makes a ton of sense You a know, logistic standpoint that all of these guys, and you know, it's hard to fit into the schedule, and like you said, it can create a lot of turmoil. And yeah, you know, the funny thing is that you're saying that and a guy I played for the Charlotte Independence. I heard some um people talking on a podcast and one of them was a Charlotte Independence fan. And he proudly stated, Yeah, we have a, a former Charlotte Independence player that made the uh, run with Christos F C, you know, very proud, he's kinda of sticking his really? chest out there. Yeah, that was wow. a that was interesting. And the other That's thing nice. I I've seen, you know, people when they think of amateur league and NPSL PDL why not the first teams that come to mind are their local teams? And then your Detroit Cities, your Chattanoogas, your teams like that, your, um, yeah, just teams like that. And then, you know, after that, a little bit down the list, Christos FC keeps on popping up the, up the list. That's a name that's been coming more around different Twitter discussions. I've seen that on the Reddits, whatever. Christos FC is became a popular name. Do you see Christos having a future playing in the PDL, the UPSL, the B? SSL, Some um, any of these amateur leagues, do you see them playing in that future?
3: Um, we certainly – we've thought about it and we've discussed it, um, not more than just a discussion over a cold beer um, between ourselves. Certainly if someone were to come in from the outside um, that says, hey, you guys have been doing something right for 20 years, I want to help you guys – I want to build something in this area, if it's USL, if it's PDL, if it's NASL, whatever it may be, I think we would certainly uh, entertain that, there's no doubt. But I think for us to do it ourselves would be unrealistic, the amount of money that, that's uh, that's needed and the amount of work that's actually needed as well, where we just – everyone that's on our management team, we all have full-time jobs, um We've just started a youth program this year uh, for four- to six-year-olds, and we have 30 kids signed up, and the season hasn't started yet. It actually starts this weekend. Um, And for us to get that off the ground for four- to six-year-olds took a lot of work and effort, uh, so I really couldn't imagine the amount of work and effort that might have to be put in to gain all those sponsorships and to get the fields and, and those type things and create Christos PDL or USL. There's no doubt if someone are walking up to me and say, Jody, I want you to uh help me in creating a USL team in Baltimore, by all means I'm gonna give it all my attention and thought, uh, if it had Christos involved with it. Um I just think we need someone from the outside that has done it before and knows the ins and outs of things that they could more or less do a lot of the work and we could help because, again, we know this area. We certainly have some of the best players in around the what's called the DMV, which is a district of uh, Columbia, Washington, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. So we know all the guys in this area and even in Pennsylvania to where we could definitely shed a light and help out anyone coming in to this area, trying to create it. But, yeah, I don't think as a club for what we've done for 20 years, I just think the amount of work that might be involved in doing that with what we just saw with what we did for the youth program, I just think that's a lot of work. I have no idea how much work, but I know the money that it costs to to buy into these leagues. Um, and that's, to me, when you when you're thinking about – $250,000 or $50,000, I could not I could just imagine the type of work that needs to be put into that. Your own marketing team, uh, sponsorships, those type things, I think it would just be too much on our plates to where we would have to take a step aside or one of us or a few of us and either leave our full-time jobs and certainly take the risk that, we don't know if it'll be worth it, especially within U.S. soccer, seeing what I just saw today with the NASL not getting that second tier um, promotion or whatever it may be. So there's so much involved with just about the money aspect of things and I think creating uh, if we were to create a Christos USL team or things like that, I just couldn't imagine the amount of work and stress that would be put on my life right now.
2: Yeah, that's very, very understandable. Now, on the other side of the spectrum, if someone walked up to you and said, hey, what if we bought Christos FC's branding rights, their name, logo, color scheme, that stuff, because that has, you know, a history that goes along with it, the 20 years, and then, of course, that magical run y'all just had. You have a lot of fans. I know there's people in my area in Atlanta that have bought in Christos FC. They bought the scarf or shirt or whatnot, and they're fully supporting them, if they had a professional team and someone bought your brand, would that be something you're looking forward to? Because I think that has a benefits for um, both parties.
3: Oh, yeah, that something like that would certainly um, need a long discussion. But, yeah, for someone to say, hey, we'll buy the club name, we'll buy the rights, because certainly we have we're incorporated and things like that. So there's no doubt for someone to throw out, hey, we'll buy Chris's FC um and put the name on a usl team or pdl team or something like that there's no doubt something like that i mean the amount of publicity that we had from the U from the World hunt cup that was one game playing dc united um if someone were to take our name and put it on a usl team or something like that it would certainly be something that uh we would have to entertain because you don't get any bigger than that and certainly if if U.S. soccer were to evolve with promotion and relegation and things like that, right now if I were to say to you, Chris, those in 10 years would be an a MLS team, there's no way. But, again, if someone came into us and said, hey, I'm creating a USL team or I'm creating an NASL team, I want to use your brand, I want to use your, your tools, your what you guys created for 20 years, yeah, we would have to entertain that without question because if there's promotion and relegation, chris's fc might be a mls team at some point in time in the future if we were to actually be in one of these leagues that allowed uh promotion and things like that but yeah for us to, to for us to start up and and do something to that i'd i wouldn't see that anytime soon but yeah for someone to come up and give me a call or knock on my door and say hey here's an opportunity that could make you guys uh what's the word I'm looking for, more, uh, more value to your name and things of that nature. I would love for everyone in this world to know about Chris's FC. I mean, I've been doing this for 20 years with the club from the start. I was one of the first players, the founders. I've been playing nonstop since day one through the, the young team, through our over-30 team. Now with our over-40 team, we haven't stopped playing, I think, our, our over-40 Christo's men's team, we still have eight or nine original members from our first 1997 team. So for us to to wake up one morning and see Christo's FC uh, playing again, DC United, but in a league or in a true season, that would be unbelievable and something I couldn't even have dreamt of in
2: 1997. And like you said, that's just a crazy thought to it is. Thanks for Christos FC possibly playing MLS teams on a regular basis. It's an award by this name, right? That'd be, that'd be awesome. And it's a very cool story about you still have eight or nine guys that are that's still involved with Christos FC after all these years, and they're still playing for the over-40 team. Now let's dive into the team itself in the upcoming game. So when you saw the draw for the US from qualifiers, you know, what is one thing you see? Do you think Christos... What do you think the possibility of us having a return, or you all having a return into the U.S. Open Cup next year? Uh, and also, after you uh, answer that, you know, how, how, what are your expectations for the 2018 U.S. Cup if you do make it in?
3: Um, well, certainly we saw the draw. We see that there's 108 teams this year, which uh, surpassed what it was last year. We do see. We say we play the same team that we did last year, Aging Hawks, um, which we've been playing against them for. I know we. I think we both. Both Asian Hawks and ourselves have been around for about 20 years. They're certainly, like I said, the DC uh, area, more or less, much southern part of Maryland than what we are. But we've been playing against them for years and years and years. So that first round game, September 24th. We certainly have high expectations um in that game that we should come out victorious. It's a home game for us, so certainly they have to travel up uh, i or yeah i ninety five north uh, a bit but um if we get through that game as long as u s soccer does what they've done in the past, they'll uh match up us match us up against another local qualifying uh round where we see that there's two teams right there in our bracket or our region, which are two teams that actually play in our quote-unquote beer league Sunday league. Um, so I think if, if we were to get by A.G. and Hawks, I would assume U.S. soccer is going to play us against those one of those two winners because, again, if you know Lamar Hunt, I know the qualifying is completely different than it ever has been, but I'm pretty sure they're not going to make us travel 60 miles or 90 miles if we have another team in the Baltimore uh, area that we can play against. And that's that's what they've told us through registration because, again, they do want to keep the cost down and make things as easy as possible for these amateur teams. So, Asian Hawks' first game, we hope to do what we did last year. I think we had a, went to overtime, and I think we beat them 3-1 in overtime. And then, like I said, the second-round game should be one of the two Baltimore teams because they play each other. Um, which, again, they're both in our Maryland Major Soccer League, um, which we play pretty regularly and know all the guys. So certainly the second-round matchup would be a normal Sunday uh, game for us. And I think that third round is going to be a little bit more trickier than it was last year. Um, we got the Landsound boys. If you followed uh, some of the Amateur Cup soccer this year, they won the Amateur National ch- Championship, which we won last year. So there's some more teams up north in the New York, New Jersey, northern Pennsylvania, that region of soccer that have just, I mean, they've just come down with masses and masses of soccer teams over the last couple of years. So if we can get to that third-round third, third round competition, which I think is what's going to allow the winner of third round to get into the true Lamar Hunt, it just comes down to uh, that game, I hope. Like I said, the first two rounds, pretty realistic chances of us having the same scenarios last year with maybe getting through those first two rounds. And I think that third-round game, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a difficult game um, if we get through it. But certainly I give our guys a huge opportunity to get that game um, just because we've gotten better than last year. So last year, I wouldn't say because we've gotten better we can beat D.C. United, but we've been able to add, I think, five or six. Uh, former Division One players that have just recently graduated this past year, the year before, that, again, went on to play for maybe a USL team, tried out for an MLS team, and didn't make it. So adding six guys that just got out of college or just got out of a former USL team, again, they're going to be a little bit more in shape than some of the guys we had last year just because every year, again, I've done this for 20 years, I've seen guys come and go. Every year that you're away from the game of soccer, if you're not playing four or five days a week, you get a little bit slower. Uh, the mind works a little bit slower. Everything about the game of soccer uh, speeds up where usually you want things to slow down. But for the body, if, you're, if your body's moving a little bit slower, it just makes it a little bit more difficult, so there's no doubt. We've added a few pieces to the puzzle that I think we should have every opportunity to get back into uh the true rounds of the, uh, Mohan Cup without a doubt.
2: All right. Well, we wish you the best of luck in the, um, qualifying and hopefully we'll see you again at a successful, uh, open cup run. And hopefully you will, uh, beat DC United. That'll be yeah. very, very, uh, interesting to see. Uh, where can people find you and Chris on social media?
3: Uh, Chris FC, uh, is certainly the Facebook page. Christos FC is Twitter. Christos FC is all Instagram. So everything is pretty much Christos FC. And then our webpage is ChristosFC.org. You'll find certainly everything about uh, the men's team as well as, like I was telling you, about the youth program we just started. But uh, everything's pretty simple to find. It's Christos FC because no one has any idea what Christos and the FC is. But certainly uh, it was pretty easy to gain access to those uh, social media pages so yeah, everything is out there is Chris's FC um, for all the social media pages.
2: All right. Well, um, I appreciate the interview. And uh, until next time.
3: Thank you very much.
0: Okay. It's Almarone. Carmona gives it right back to Almarone. He whips it in toward the backside of the box. It's loose. And it rolls across the end line. There's the first goal in the history of Mercedes-Benz Stadium.
3: Almarone sends it toward the back post, chipped in! Just like that! 28 seconds was all it took. Jalbert trying to find Martinez, he dumps it, and it's flicked in!
0: First half, Mickey crossed it in Heady by Cito, Rihanna locked it in Fast forward to minute 46 See Mickey, Megan, and Joseph got his Then later, Tito crossed it through Joseph with the dummy, then it tapped it through Big win for the 5 strike nation Now we're back feeling good vibrations Opened up the bend with the W Now the refs in town, they They get get trouble too Don't know SFCD, They got zero, United got three goals Three points in the standings And we got the whole stadium standing Bringing this to the five stride nation Black, red, gold, now feel the vibration